2: Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Ramsey. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from the experiences of our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on our radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our show. Last month, we delivered over 30,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions. If you'd like to learn more, then contact our advertising department at 949 949- 949 887-4104 949-887-4104. All of our shows can be found on our website criticalmass4forbusiness.com Okay, as promised, our second guest is here in the studio. Bruce Conklin is the founder and managing partner at the Fidelis Group. Bruce, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Rich. Nice to have you here. Let's talk first about you. Give our audience a sense for your background, kind of your professional experience.
1: Well, really, over the last 21-plus years, I've been in the crisis business. And what that means is you're usually introduced through bank groups, through their special assets or bankruptcy attorneys. And they're usually companies that are struggling. And they've got a limited runway. And, of course, the first job is to make that runway longer so you have more options. Right. And so that's what I've been doing for more than 20 years now
2: how did you get involved in that area of business
1: you know it's funny uh, i was in the real estate business from 75 to 90 and when the L's all got shut down the real estate business kind of went away and i was looking for things to do and i was introduced to this group out of la and just started working with them Loved the work and just kept doing it
2: that's hard work it, it is doing a turnaround is it a turnaround then turnaround okay that that's i mean the everybody's on edge nerves are raw I mean you're not always welcome in the company I mean here I am telling you you know better than I do right I mean that it's a heavy responsibility
1: initially not welcome the fact that you save jobs oh yeah you become very welcome right but
2: you gotta make (laughs) some hard decisions
1: I think yes it's really the the owner has to make the decisions I mean we're making the but but he has limited decisions usually and that's why really Fidelis got formed to focus more on the mid market group that's the 10 to 100 million dollar sale okay. company, okay? So a little less expensive, more affordable, and trying to get in a little earlier when the company's just beginning to
2: wobble, right? Not so late that, gee, we can't make payroll in two weeks, right? I mean, that's so much time is your friend in that situation and become and quickly can become the enemy of the business owner if they wait too long, correct? I mean you just need time to do a workout and a turn around and just these things take you cannot just you know snap your fingers and it's my bias and tell me if if it's incorrect because you are the expert i am not i'm just an interested observer that many times the business owners know what they need to do at some level but for many times for some reason they haven't acted as boldly as as or responsibly maybe as they should have am i putting words
1: No, you're correct. It's It's, you know, it's really difficult. I call them benevolent dictatorships. Uh I mean, the type of guy or gal that starts a company, they either have an incredibly great idea or maybe they're just a little stubborn and they want their way and they really don't want to work for someone. And, you know, you take a guy in his fifties or sixties, he's been through two or three recessions and he's gotten through them. And so they tend to be a little stubborn and, they, you know, the problem with cutting people and, and right-sizing a company, they work so hard to get it to a certain level, yes. it's so hard yes. to give it up. You know, it's, it, you feel like you're taking 200 steps backwards. It's really, really hard on these guys. And they
2: and have an emotional connection to their people. Hugely. Uh, almost to their own detriment. It, it, it's hard for sometimes people who who don't work with middle market companies that really appreciate the close relationship that the owners and CEOs have with their people. It's not like corporate America right. where I've worked for a long time, where there's a lot there's a distance there on purpose, and they maintain that. You get very in, tightly integrated with your people, and having to make those and many times in a turnaround, you've got to look at where the biggest money's going and the cash, and the cash is a lot of times going into the people's your employees' pockets, right? I mean, your, that's your, where your payroll.
1: That's where it's all going because you have to kind of reduce that fixed cost to create a more scalable model so you can create value and that's one of the advantages quite frankly of a smaller business owner bringing in someone like myself because there's someone to blame there's someone to turn to say gosh we have to do that bruce said so right and so it it helps a little bit because it is a personal
2: thing I remember, um, I don't know how the Great Recession was for your business. I think that it might have been good because businesses were struggling, but I might be wrong there. But I I remember hearing business owners saying, geez, I'm back doing what I was doing in this business five, ten, eight years ago. You know what I mean? Uh, To your point, I had to downsize, and now I'm back doing things that I thought I'd never have to do again. (laughs) And that wasn't always a good thing, right? I mean, they kind of begrudgingly went back because they couldn't afford to pay the people to do the jobs that they didn't want to do. Exactly but they exactly. have to. They do. To survive.
1: Well, this recession has been interesting, Richard, and, and you probably, a lot of the business uh, <clears throat> owners listening on, uh, on your podcast, uh, the banking industry as a whole became less stringent, obviously, to continue to support the, con- the, uh, the uh, economy. And so special asset departments of banks shrank. Those were all created in the early 90s when we went through that last great recession. They actually shrunk, which you'd think they would have increased. But the phenomenon of low interest rates, a lot of these companies have been able to kind of limp along, but they've severely lost value. And I know the corporate America is really struggling. So what I did was I brought on two operational partners, mm. one that's a very experienced uh, guy from. Uh, that was with Beckman Coulter for over 30 years and an expert at sales and marketing because really it starts with a great plan. And how are you going to uniquely identify yourself? How are you going to brand your product? And then teaching your sales guys how to sell solutions and really become part of that customer as opposed to just selling a good. Mm -hmm. And if you can start that then because everybody's competing. So whoever's left in the marketplace now is competing head-to-head with each other. So margins are squeezed. It's just very, very tough. And so you really have to start without a great plan Mm. and then start building value. We try to create the plan on a set of action items. So actually working with the management team, working with the owner to create a set of action items where you're actually going to do something different, kind of under the Einstein theory that doing the same thing over and over again is insanity. But it's amazing how... Undisciplined sometimes you get where you just don't identify those things. You'll put a budget together, it's just a string of numbers saying, oh gosh, we're going to hit 22 million this year, and controller puts some costs on a piece of paper, and that's your plan. But it's really not tied to metrics, it's really not tied to action items, and really holding people accountable. And you really have to be disciplined. No different than running a football team. You think about those great Super Bowl teams. They were just simply disciplined. Everybody knew what they were doing. Right. They challenged each other. They knew at the beginning of the season they wanted to be somewhere at the end of the season. And you got to do the same thing with the business to finally inch and claw back and really create
2: value. So are there any special <clears throat> industries that Fidelis Group uh, focuses on? How do you approach the market that way?
1: Well, being with a what I would say a mid-market regional turnaround firm in the last 21 years, I've hit just about every industry from aerospace to manufacturing, distribution, retail, services, financial. And so I wouldn't say we're exactly focused on any one industry. And I think that is an advantage because quite frankly, the best, uh, turnarounds and plans and coaching you can do in a company is you can't be afraid to ask that dumb question because in the dumb questions is where the nuggets come out right a person that's in the industry knows that oh we don't do that or we don't do that well how do you know you shouldn't do that because really the true Brilliance comes when you kind of break out of the mold and you I do agree. something against the grain.
2: I believe in the power of peer learning, and that's what, you know, mm-hmm. just somebody else in some other industry is doing something. And if you can adopt it into your industry first, all of a sudden you're like a genius because you differentiated <laughs> the marketplace, right? You've created differentiation. Um, it sounds like companies would benefit from having the Fidelis Group come in because the next step after you, if they don't fix the problem, is. A more is a different type of workout if there is even that option, which may be replace the guy or lady who's running it because we've run out of patience with you, or it's an asset sale of something, right? Correct. So, so really, the owners of middle market companies are wise to bring you in early to avoid and avert the really nasty stuff that might happen at the end if they don't fix the downward trend of their business
1: well or at least treat us as maybe just an advisor you don't really have to come in and camp out there but certainly here's the ceo it's really loan at the top it is because really they have to show the good front and they have to drive the troops and they're usually limited it's not like you know a 500 million dollar company that's got a MBA, PhD, CFO, and something like that. I mean, these are hardworking people that have worked up in the business. And sometimes it's just good to have a conversation. So that's really how we start our consulting experience, Okay, is we'll sit down, and if it's more of a sales-driven thing, Steve and I will come out, and we can spend two or three or four hours just sitting down having a conversation. Usually out of those conversations, at least two or three ahas right. occur And then hopefully there's something that we can work with them on.
2: Mm -hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, we're talking with Bruce Conklin. He is founder and managing partner of the Fidelis Group. We're going to take our next and final commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. And when we come back, uh, be thinking about this, Bruce. I'm going to ask, of all the things that you've learned in business, have you developed a guiding principle that you use to lead and grow the firm? So we're going to hear Bruce Conklin's guiding principle and answers to a few more questions when we return to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show.
0: There's something uniquely positive about the word up. When things are good, things are looking up. When you want to go fast, you speed up. And when you're really cheering, you stand up. So when you want to move up, what do you do? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's degree or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up better than virtually everyone else. And that university is Brandman. Brandman University is ranked by U.S. News & World Report as one of the nation's top ten universities for online bachelor's programs. And it ranked best in the state of California. Brandman also received top honors from U.S. News and World Report for our online graduate programs in business and education. Plus, our programs are available on ground at more than 25 convenient campuses. So to wrap things up, we recommend you look us up at brandman.edu. That's brandman.edu. And find out how to move up like never before. Brandman University. Move up.
2: Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. We'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 10,000 shows during the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued support. All of our shows can be heard live here on Internet Radio Station, octalkradio.net, or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. Bruce Conklin, you are our guest, and he is the founder and managing partner of the Fidelis Group. Before the break, Bruce, I was going to ask if you could share your guiding principle with our audience.
1: Well, our guiding principle is to help drive value, because at the end of the day, whether the company is struggling or whether the company is going out and trying to raise some more capital, perhaps uh, replace their senior lender, or even sell the company, you really want to maximize that value. So what what is the uniqueness of that company what is the uniqueness of the product or services they're presenting in order to drive those multiples? And then, of course, can you create a efficient path to profitability? So you could be running at a certain EBITDA run rate, mm-hmm. as all CEOs understand. But with a series of action items, you can convince that investor to give you some credit towards a positive path to more profitability. So it might be eliminating a shift. It might be adding a product. It could be a number of things to create more value. So you really have multiple and you really have EBITDA Mm -hmm. and that's the enterprise
2: value. And so many middle market businesses that represent such a huge part of the owner's personal professional, their wealth Right. My experience is many times middle market business owners over-invest in themselves. In other words, they take the money and they keep putting it back in the business versus maybe diversifying their investment portfolio. So so it really clouds their thinking. It must, Bruce, when the business becomes under pressure and the value of their most precious asset is just lower and lower and lower. I mean, that's that creates another place for you must also be a little bit of a psychiatrist or psychologist Correct. trying to help them. Deal with the reality of this is the way it is.
1: Correct. You know the the problem with the business owner is it's different than investing in stocks and bonds. It's even different than owning your home because there's always the house down the street that just sold. So you sort of know what the value is. <laughs> right. I think the way the you know, the business owner, he's independent, he got out there, he had his great idea, he worked his tail off, probably took time away from his family, and then it gets to a point where he's actually making a lot of income and he wants to spend a little more time with his kids. He wants to do these other things, and as long as he's pulling out of the company what he needs, he really doesn't focus on value. It's not like a public company with a board saying, Mr. CEO, what do you mean you're not hitting your numbers? There's no one really there to discipline and drive them. So I think they really lose concept of what the value is. Mm -hmm. I think most mid-market companies actually become... Lifestyle companies. Okay. It really ends up that way. Because if you're 50 years old and you busted your tail, why can't you take that golf trip? Why can't you go to Cabo Fishing with your buddies? Why can't you, now your kid's 15, why can't you take that? So he's not quite putting that effort in anymore. The problem is the people he's brought up in the business, they're not really professionally trained. Maybe they haven't been, you know, trained up. Mm-hmm. So who's really pushing and running the show when he's gone?
2: Right. And I've observed that the di- the gap between the skill level of the owner and the management team in a middle market company is many times greater than I would expect, or at least that I'm comfortable with. Hugely. Because so much of the burden then defaults back up to the Always. owner. and Always. And if they can find key executives who are, a generation later than them who have that whatever they had when they were 30 to carry that because sometimes in my mind the best exit strategy is not selling the business but transferring some of the business to the next generation if even if it's not a family business but continuing to use that as a business that funds your lifestyle only you don't have to work as hard correct And then you you, give everybody the next generation of business that they can grow.
1: Well, you could form an ESOP, for instance. Now, the ESOP has to be valued every year, so now you do have a barometer. Are we gaining or are we losing? Because there's an appraisal done in the business. Right. So, you know, part of what I would do with a business owner is ultimately there's going to be an exit strategy or there's going to be a recapitalization strategy because he wants to bring in some sub-debt, To buy a competitor, to buy another line, because quite frankly, like Satchel Page said, you know, don't look back, someone's gaining on you. Right. And the problem is if you have a successful company, and let's say you've built it up to 30 or 40 million sales, and you're making money, someone else knows that. And don't even bother looking. If you don't continue to innovate, if you don't continue to do things differently, you're going to lose value at some time. Forget about going into a crisis, but why lose the value?
2: Right. You know, I, um, I'm working on my third book, and it's about companies that grow their revenue while maintaining or improving their profitability as a percentage of that revenue. Because in my experience, that's sort of the holy grail of growth for middle market companies Correct. versus growing your revenue and reducing your profitability. Because sometimes we say, oh, that's just I'm investing in in front of the revenue, and I'll get that back in two years. But unfortunately, many times, you don't get it back. You've just diluted the value of the business, right? Um, so you must see businesses that are not only... Shrinking their revenue, but shrinking their profitability as a percentage of that revenue. Absolutely, too, right? and that is a that's well.
1: A costs have been going up, and they can't raise prices. No one's really been able to raise prices, but right. they know costs are going up. We we know that. I right. mean, in, fli- in spite of the inflation, and quite frankly, the economy's grown been growing what at one and a half to two percent a year. That's not exactly
2: exciting. Right, it's not. Demand is a you know, demand can cure a lot of bad decisions. If you're yes. in an industry that there's more demand and everybody's growing and you feel good, even if everybody's growing twice as fast as you, if you're still growing and you don't know they're growing faster, hey, everybody can be happy. But in a time like we've experienced since the Great Recession of diminished demand, you really have to be careful where you place really. your bets. And to, back to our earlier point, when your revenue is declining and your profit as a percentage is declining, the, really the only thing you can do is attack your fixed costs.
1: Correct. And that is huge. You've got to tack the fixed costs. And that's what we do. I have a thing called current state, future state. So we would help the CEO map that out. And that's part of where you get the path to profitability. Okay. It's absolutely a stunning exercise you go through. And it's very, very eye-opening. I'd love to do it with most CEOs. I could just show it to them. Okay. And they so would this is get like it. So it's like
2: a step-to-step step
1: to step process of how you do it, and it 's so visual and so easy to understand and you can actually have action items and then then you got to create the metrics and then right. you follow the metrics matter of fact, if you have dashboards and you have metrics and you build your budgets from the metrics as opposed to just a financial statement <laughs> pushed out for the bank. <laughs> you you know week you said to the,
2: week you said the key thing for the bank many times they don't even do it for themselves they just because they, do they have to, to qualify for their loan it's loan, always for the bank yeah. but
1: you know that. if you're monitoring your <laughs> metrics you know
2: exactly where you're going to hit right all the time right and the and the more you sample the <clears throat> metrics the interval the tighter the interval is the sooner you know you're in trouble absolutely and you can make adjustments and you can make adjustments. and you can't hide from it. Can't right. hide if it. you have these macro big numbers, oh well, we'll wait till the end of the quarter, or, we'll wait till the end of the year. Well, the many times the decisions that you would have made that could have fixed it, you can't make anymore.
1: What I find too is the bank, uh, the the companies that struggle, they get in trouble on the balance sheet side. Mm. So here's a scenario.
2: Yeah, give me an you're example. You're
1: growing quick. Let's say you're growing at five eight percent a year. You have a little window there where you're growing like crazy. What is the purchasing guy do in The only way that guy gets yelled at is if you can't get a shipment out Friday because you've run out of material, right? So what does he do? He takes the sales projections, which are probably already inflated, and he adds 10% and he just buys stuff. And then... He makes the other fatal error is he'll buy stuff in bulk because a full container load, oh gosh, I'm saving five cents. So all of a sudden, it looks like a garage in a subdivision, right? There's no cars in the garage. There's just a lot of stuff. Right. And so you end up with a huge amount of inventory. Now, if you have an asset-based loan, you're only borrowing at 50%. That means you've got 50% cash tied up in all this inventory. Right. And that's huge. And so, and then how do you unload that? Because now the sales are not quite hitting what you thought. And so it really is the
2: balance sheet that gets them in trouble. Growing profitably is, is really important. And growing and having the cash to feed the growth is really tricky. Very tricky. I, I get a little nervous middle market CEOs who use the phrase grow or die. Because I think that's that's almost fool's gold. I mean, I get that you want to be bigger, but you really better think about that because there can be some really bad things that can happen in your business if your growth is uncontrolled, unplanned, or it's not good growth. The price, quality, or whatever of the new revenue doesn't support the business model that you have.
1: One of the great myths: Every sale is a good sale.
2: Yes. Yeah. Oh, we'll make it up later in volume. And uh, no, don't do that to yourself.
1: Well, one of the things it's difficult for a smaller company to do is really have metrics like customer profitability. Uh, No one really looks. What you look at is you look at that run at the end of the year or at the end of a month or at the end of a week, and it shows shipments, and it shows theoretical margin that some accountant has figured out and say, oh, gosh, we're making a lot. Well, they're forgetting that they've got to make two extra stops for that customer, or sales has promised them just-in-time inventory. So they can call on Wednesday, deliver on Thursday, which means that your plant has to have an extra 10 people standing around because of that peak load on Wednesday and Thursday. So it's very, very important that you manage these customer relationships. And most small companies, quite frankly, are very sales-driven. Yes. And sales guys always want it faster, better,
2: cheaper. It feels like the answer to the question is more sales. More sales. Regardless of what the question is going to end up being, we can solve that with more sales, and many times, I think, as I said, it's fool's gold. Well, Bruce, this time has flown by. My it engin- has. My engineers told me we're unfortunately out of time today here on Critical Mass Radio Show. It's been fascinating. I'll have Crystal Talk to you about coming back maybe later in 2014, and we'll pick up on kind of what we talked to. about. Okay, absolutely love to. Bruce Conklin, thank you for being a friend of the program. Welcome to the Critical Mass community. Thank you. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, I certainly hope you've gotten some good ideas from both of our guests today and things that you can use to make your business make better decisions, improve your decision making. Uh, the 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 sponsors of this show really make the show happen, so I want to thank Brandman University, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, our longest sponsor, Succession Strategies, our second longest sponsor, and our newest sponsor, Center Club of Costa Mesa. Our engineer for today's show is Paul Roberts. Our producer is Crystal Nunley. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. Our social media manager... Asia Celestina, and I'm your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass for Business or refer a future guest or possibly advertise, visit our website, criticalmassforbusiness.com. Until the next show, I hope all of your decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies.
0: With your host... Richard Franzi.